Today, I want to talk with you about some things that may be a little bit intense. I know that doesn't surprise you, uh, or may seem a little bit over your head, but don't let it be. Okay, the the Bible is deep; it's rich. God's word's powerful. It, he has an answer for every situation in our life, and rooted in the word are incredible mysteries that require us to do diligence and to be vigilant, to pay attention and to be aware at all times. It requires us to really give our attention and to become a student of the Word. And so for me, for years and years and years and years, I've made a decision to be a student of God's Word. And in turn, it's enabled me to understand a lot of deep and heavy concepts and revelations that come from God so that we don't have to live in the dark. God doesn't want you to live in the dark. He wants you to be in the know. He wants to reveal himself. He wants you to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And God gives us answers in his word about so many mysteries. Many of them we just are quick to overlook or we're quick to just read by. How many of you have ever read a scripture, you know, a hundred times and, it, and at some point you read it the hundred and first time and it was like, wow, I never knew that that was there. I never read that before. And a, lot, and a lot of times it's because we just didn't see it or we weren't at the place or maybe it's because we hurried through it. And I don't want you to do that. And so what I want you to live is in a great mystery. I want you to, you're living in a mystery. You are a mystery. Christ was a mystery. The wonders of his word and what he does is a great mystery. The power of God in many ways is a great mystery. Being born again is a great mystery. But 1 Corinthians 4.1 says that God reveals the mysteries to us. He wants us to know the mysteries. But it takes being a student. It takes time. It takes attention. So please, today as I dive into a topic that is pretty intense and is definitely way over our heads, I want to ask you to try to capture the essence of what I'm going to talk about. I want to go back to James 5.16. We've talked about the scripture so many times, and there's so many truths to the scripture, but I want to particularly focus on the availing much and prayers that avail much. I want to really hit this part. We've talked a lot about repentance and confession, how it leads to healing, and I've talked with you about how one of the benefits of repentance is availing and powerful prayers. But one of the questions that I ask myself is, how do my prayers avail much? Like, how are they availing? The word overvailing means that they're accomplishing and overcoming, and all the purpose that they're sent out to do, they do it. So that when you pray, your prayers aren't just falling flat, or you're not just living in I hope so with your prayer, but you're living in an I know so. So that when you pray, you pray with confidence. When you pray, you pray with certainty, and you know that God's going to do what he said he would do. And so in this scripture, it talks about first, when we confess, we find healing, confessing to one another, and that our prayers become effective and they become fervent, but they avail. Prayers from a pure heart and a clean conscience do something. We read that they avail much, but how? So for the sake of time today, I'm going to assume. I don't normally like to make assumptions. As a pastor, I really have learned not to assume anything, but I'm going to make an assumption today. If you haven't heard the last three weeks of messages on repentance, I encourage you to go do so. All right. I know some of you are new and visiting today, but I would encourage you to go listen to those messages because everything that I'm teaching right now is building upon something. And so let's assume that you've repented and you, you have confessed your trespasses and your sin, both to God and to one another. You've made amends to the best of your ability, and you know that you're not harboring any bitterness or unforgiveness. Now, some of you are going to know that you're really hurt and still bitter and angry and have unforgiveness in your heart. I want to challenge you to please listen to those messages and deal with it. You can't live your life with bitterness and unforgiveness. Many times you don't know who you might be bitter or angry or unforgiving towards, so God has this way of reminding and revealing it to you, bringing to, your, to remembrance in your mind like, hey, I never dealt with that. That's what we talked about a lot last week and the week before. 
but let's just say that I can't think of anyone that I have ought against. I can't think of anybody that I'm angry towards. I can't think of anybody that I'm bitter towards or I have unforgiveness towards. I've confessed my sins to the best of my ability. Now, we talked about how if you come to the altar and you remember there that you have somebody has ought against you or you have ought against someone, stop and go deal with it so that when you come before the Lord, you, your, your prayers are heard and you can receive everything that God has for you. Because if you have bitterness and unforgiveness or ought towards one another when we come to the altar, your prayers will only go so far and your sacrifice only goes so far. So God's like, deal with it. I'll give you just a simple way to deal with it. Sometimes it's at an altar with somebody praying with you. Sometimes it's in a one-on-one -on -one meeting when somebody says, let's ask the Lord who it is in your life that you need to deal with. Let's pray together. And sometimes that other person will get some insight. Many times in a prayer meeting, I've been praying with somebody and God will show me that when this person was six, something real tragic happened or maybe 10 or some issue with their mom or their dad or a relative, or an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend. A lot of times that person doesn't see it because they blocked it out of their mind. It was so painful that they don't even want to deal with it. They've just suppressed it. So it takes the other person who's hearing from the Lord that has the faith to hear for you on your behalf. But in general, it all starts with a question, and it all starts with being transparent and not turning away from the pain. I know it hurts. I can only imagine, and I've heard the worst of the worst scenarios and situations as a pastor, horrible things I wouldn't even want to repeat today, but you still have to deal with it. And to deal with it doesn't necessarily mean you have to relive the pain. What it means is you have to allow Jesus to show you where he was and to bring forgiveness and healing and the blood to that painful situation. All right? So for me, I constantly and continuously say, Lord, is there anything inside of me that I need to deal with? Because I want to walk in perfect love, not have division in my heart. I may, not, I may not have division in my words, but I have it inside my heart. And am I the only one that feels like there's ought everywhere? Because here's why. The closer you get to the Lord, the more understanding you get, the more of the Father's heart you get, the more that those other things can't stand and you see them clearer right? So as you grow spiritually, you're going to have to really have God's heart to know how to navigate and deal with trespasses and ought and people having issue with you. Because what if the greatest persecution coming wasn't from the world, but it was from your brothers and sisters? So the key is that you're honest with yourself and with the Lord and that you're genuine. That's the sacrifices of God. It's no pretension. It's authenticity and genuine brokenness. It's Psalm 51, 17. It says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. These God will not despise, but without brokenness and contrition in your heart, God will despise it. You have to see it the other way. If I'm not genuinely feeling the weight and the brokenness and the pain of my own depravity and the depravity of others, my prayers will always be about me and they'll never turn into atonement for other people. God calls you to be high priests. He calls you to be a royal priesthood. He calls you to turn your prayers into atonement for one another. So when God reveals it to you, you can't be afraid to ask the question, Lord, have I done anybody wrong? And is any, do I have any ought in my heart? And God instantly, most of the time, it drops in your spirit in a second. Like you, you don't even really have to overthink it. Almost every single time, like, Lord, is there anybody in my heart? And almost before I even finish the sentence, God drops a name. And I don't just say, I just forgive them. I go to the root in my heart and I confess why, what they did, what I did. This is authentic confession. And when you go to one another, it's authentic confession because I'm not just saying, man, I'm really sorry for what I did. 
It's owning what you did and saying what you did. So that leaves no room for accusation anymore. So I'm going to assume for this message today, y'all have done that. If you haven't, my challenge to you is do it daily, every day. All right. Now, let's also assume that you're doing your best to abide and grow in your faith, because we're talking about how your prayers are availing much. Remember the topic. So abide, 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 abide. The, the, Jesus taught us to abide all the time, constant abiding with the Lord, right? You can't do anything. He's the vine, you're the branches. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Abide in him. If my word abides in you, and if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you'll have whatever it is that you pray and you ask for, John 15, 7. So if you want your prayers to be accomplished, you must abide, all right? And so... Uh, again, I don't like to assume, but let's just hypothetically say you are abiding. And let's say that you're just doing your best. You know, the, here's the deceptive lie of the enemy is you're never doing enough. You're going to have to get past that you're never doing enough because the truth is, is you're never going to do enough. Right? And so the deceptive lie, remember, he's an accuser. So the enemy accuses you day and night to tell you God's not pleased with you. You're a failure. You're not good enough to inhibit you in your prayers. This is why I'm going this direction so you can understand how do your prayers avail much so that they're not just lobbing shotgun clay pigeon prayers. These are real sharpshooter pinpointed prayers that access the heart of God and the throne of God that become incense before him that are pleasing so that when he captures it in the golden bowl, he flips it over for a purpose. God's word doesn't return to him void. You are God's word. He sent it, you become it, we send it back up and he sends it back. It's cyclical with God. And so we're not gonna be haphazard, but even if you're not doing enough whatever that is, the most important thing is that you're authentic. God will take your authenticity and your cry all the time, right? Because you mature over time. You grow over time. You will get it in time. You're in process. Be patient with yourself, but be authentic. God doesn't like strange fire. Strange fire is disingenuine. Strange fire is trying to make something happen. Strange fire is thinking that you're something greater than what you really are. Strange fire is full of pride. Strange fire is taking matters into my own hands. Strange fire is thinking that, well, I've come to church today, God, you're going to do, now that I'm here, now that I've shown up, he's like, yeah, I despise that kind of prayer. There's got to be brokenness and contrition and there's got to also be this understanding of now I've dealt with the things, my conscience is clear. I've dealt with it to the best of my ability together with you. And now I'm in the process of being healed. Some people are healed instantly. Some people go through therapy, right? And, it, and the church is basically a spiritual rehab where we're bringing therapy to people's life. So some of you are like, well, I've been crying out for God to heal me and he hadn't done it, well, maybe you need to be in therapy. Maybe you need to be in physical rehabilitation or spiritual rehabilitation, which takes time. So God cares most about authenticity. Revelation 5, 8, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So the scripture is very clear. You can leave that up. The scripture is very clear that there are golden bowls in heaven full of incense, which are, which are what? What are they? It's clear. Hence, we should all know that something incredible is happening to our prayers when they're offered by people who are, who are in a righteous position with God and have taken the appropriate steps in approaching God. There are appropriate steps in approaching God. There's an entire spiritual ritual in the inner court of the process of burning incense at the altar of incense and what the altar was to look like when you approach God. 
and it was in the inner court, not the outer court. But you had to go through the outer court before you got into the inner court. But what's happening here is many people come to the cross and get baptized, and then they turn back before they go to the inner court. You only go so far, and then you turn back. You came to the cross. You got baptized. I can't tell you. I baptized a 1,000 people since I moved to Corpus. I probably don't know where half of them are. Because there's a requirement even beyond that. First the cross, then the, the uh, bronze laver. There's the brazen altar, the bronze laver. And I know some of this is deeper for you, but you should understand the patterns of the tabernacle. There's a whole great YouTube video, 30 minutes, that will teach you all about the tabernacle. It's an animated video. It just tells you what happened at each spot. But everybody must come through the outer court into the inner court. And there's a process in the inner court. And in the inner court is the altar of incense, which is a type and shadow of what's happening in heaven and a type and shadow of what we do when we pray. So keep it simple. God set these things up in place to teach us and to show us, here's what's happening here. Here's how you live your life. And so we know that in heaven, before the Lord, before the altar of gold, there's a bowl of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So let me just clear something up real quick. What makes somebody a saint? Because what I often hear is, well, I'm certainly not a saint. And in my natural eyes, you sure aren't a saint. You are so far from a saint. But see, the real definition in God's eyes of a saint is somebody that has been ceremonially, ceremoniously consecrated and separated for a purpose. And when the blood of Jesus covers you and God forgives you and you come with authenticity, you go from a sinner to a saint. A saint's not based on your works. Your saint's based on who you are. See, because we, we often see, well, the more better that I do and the better that I live and the better that I become, I'll be like Mother Teresa, who was definitely a saint right? We, we know that. But the thing is, it's not about attaining a greater level of being better or righteous. You're made righteous through the blood of Jesus. You must get your sins blotted out, which starts with repentance. So we got to take that big red eraser and we got to wipe away those tears and the pain and the shame. And then you come into the process of sanctification and God makes you a saint. And you're going to have to shift your thinking because the world has taught us completely different on sainthood. So if you are born again and you've surrendered your life to Christ, you're a saint. Everybody say, I'm a saint. If I'm born again. You're sacred, you're morally blameless. And then what happens is because of what Christ did, you now move into this place of being free from carnality. So there's a requirement it doesn't just stop there. It starts there. And so I, I am and I'm becoming. So over time, God removes out carnality out of your life because there's a fruit production that comes from your position. It requires something of you. Second, we need to gain an understanding of what incense is, what it is, how it's made, and what it's used for in a biblical context. Now, I know a little bit about incense. I'm not a big incense guy, but I used to, used to burn it all the time to cover up the pot smell in my bedroom and in my apartment. For the most part, if I walk into your house and I'm smelling incense, I'm going, all right. But if we're going to understand that there was an altar of incense, there were only three things in the inner court. The candlestick, table of showbread, and the table of incense. You walked in, and the only light of the room was the candlestick to the left, table of showbread to the right, and right in front of you was an altar, a golden altar of incense. It was only about three feet high. So in order for you to burn incense, for the high priest to burn incense on that golden altar and bring atonement, he would have to kneel down. So many of us pray, but we never bow. I love you, all of you. 
But where's the brokenness and the humility? We can't come to God haphazard anymore. God requires brokenness and desperation because there's more happening at that golden altar than just offering a prayer for yourself. There were four horns and the, the once a year, the high priest would anoint with the blood of the bull, the four horns as an atonement. So now my prayers switch for just me, but they become for you. This is the difference. The difference is now my prayer life is, yes, I'm offering sacrifices and I'm offering a, a praise and prayer on the altar of, of incense, but I'm also praying for you at the same time. And I'm kneeling and I'm bowing in humility instead of just treating God with contempt. One of my challenges there, I'll keep it simple for you. Please commune with God all the time, but have moments and times when maybe no one else is around where you kneel down beside your bed, maybe nobody's home, right? You're not gonna get interrupted by your kids or you go somewhere where you're in private and you can't be distracted. And I challenge you to kneel down or lay down prostrate on your face. There's a practical little step right there that it takes a lot of humility to actually do that because chances are likely if I pulled this room about how many people actually kneel down or bow down, it would probably be a small percentage. So I'm lovingly say to you, try something new and approach God. There was a reason why God made this. And I'm not going to do the whole teaching on the altar of incense. You can read um, Exodus 30, chapter 30, all about it. But the point is, is God requires humility when you come before him. So incense, you guys may not know a lot about incense. I'm not going to do a big whole teaching on what incense is, but I'm going to say a couple things about it. It's the burning of biological material, material derived from living organisms that include carbon and are capable of decay. Examples of these biotic materials include wood, straw, manure, bark, crude oil, bone, and more, all burned for a fragrant aromatic smoke. So maybe essential oils or frankincense or other things are added to create an aesthetic, sweet-smelling aroma. Uh, these incense can be used for religious worship, aromatherapy, meditation, healing, Ceremony incense is composed of aromatic plant materials often combined with essential oils. The word incense, it's the actual word incense is a Latin word and it simply means to burn. Incense means to burn. Spices, fillers, and binders are crushed together and prepared to burn slowly for a period of time. Incense could burn in golden censers, be sprinkled onto fire, or made into a paste and rolled into various shapes or put on sticks. Biblically, there was a preparation, a crushing, and a continual burning on an altar in the inner court. Exodus chapter 30, verse 8, when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. So it's a perpetual incense. Or another way we could say this is God wants perpetual prayer. It's always moving. It's always lasting. It's never stopping. It's always accomplishing. And it's always going before us at all times. It's a perpetual burning before the Lord. Morning and night, the candlestick would be lit and the incense would burn before the Lord. The instructions to Moses on Mount Sinai were clear. And you have to remember that everything, again, related to worship and sacrifice in the Old Testament is the type and shadow of the new and the things which are taking place in heaven now. So Moses got clear instructions on Mount Sinai in the building of the tabernacle. And what was to go in it, the instructions for the altar of incense were very specific. So God has a specific way that he wants us to approach him. What I want you to understand, it's not religious duty, it's authenticity and brokenness. 
So God gave Moses very specific ingredients for the incense, but what if your ingredients today were a little bit of brokenness, a little bit, of, a whole lot of humility, a little bit of contrition, a whole lot of mercy, a little bit of grace, and a massive amount of the Holy Spirit, and God binds it all together inside of you, and through the crushing and the shaking of your own life, and through the burning. See, I love fire. I love to be fired up. But what if the fire actually was didn't feel good? What if God was burning something out of me, and it's hurting me? It's crushing me. It's crushing you. What if you're in the fire? What if it's the refiner's fire that's burning out the wood, hay, and the stubble, so that all you become or have is gold, silver, and precious stones? And then it hurts and you cry a lot, but you're broken because you've got to see brokenness and contrition. If you look it up, Psalm 51, 17, both those mean, both of them mean to be crushed. And what if it was God crushing you to make you to be a fragrant offering before him? See, the prostitute would have to give up her $250,000 dowry of frankincense and break open the bottle, the alabaster jar to give everything that she had to release the freight. That's a picture of your life that you're not holding anything back before the Lord, but you're spending it, wasting it on Jesus because it's actually never wasted. And now the aroma fills not only that house, the house of your enemies, but it fills all down the street. So why am I sharing all of this? I'm sharing this so that we together can gain an understanding of what's happening when we pray from a proper prayer posture. So we know that there are bowls in heaven that contain this incense. The incense has a name. It's called the prayers of the saints. Our prayers are caught in bowls as incense to God surrounded by worship and angels. And just prior to Jesus's final return in Revelation 8, we read this, Revelation 8, 3 through 5. Then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. So see that there's a golden altar right now before the throne. Right now. And there's an angel with a golden censer and he was offering this incense with the prayers of all the saints and the smoke of the incense of the prayers of the saints, the smoke of the incense of the prayers of the saints. My prayers become smoke before the Lord in the censer of the angel, the censer in the angel's hand before the golden throne in heaven. And something happens. Descended before the Lord, from the angel's hands, and the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, threw it and threw it to the earth, and there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So in the context of incense, when we burn properly before the Lord, we burn properly before others. Let me say that again. When you burn properly before the Lord, you burn properly before others. A great scripture for that is 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. We are to God the fragrance or the incense of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who's sufficient for these things? You're never sufficient in your own strength. So first, we are the fragrance of Christ. You must smell like Christ. Everybody smells one way or another. Everybody has a smell. The key is to smell like Christ. In turn, you become an aroma on earth, the aroma of both death and life to different kinds of people. So when you burn properly before the Lord and you release the aroma of Christ, to some people it's the aroma of death and to some it's the aroma of life. And here's the thing, even to those that are perishing, your aroma of death can produce life in them. The key is to always be a sweet smelling fragrance before the Lord. The fragrance is the incense. Crushed people bound together by the Holy Spirit. He's our binder. And one another in unity that smells really, really good to God. We become like fine perfume. Some will love how you smell 
and others will hate it. But the key is to stay smelly, my friends. You can write that down. Next, I want to remind all of us this one very key important point. God builds with burnt stones. Remember, carbon and those subject to decay. Nehemiah 4, 1 and 2. But it so happened when Sanballat, which means the strength of the enemy, heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he was furious and very indignant and he mocked the Jews. This is what Satan does. Whenever you're going to build something and become something, the devil comes to tell you that you're never going to be able to do it. And he becomes indignant and full of rage. That's why many people's like, man, my life was really good until I said yes to Jesus. Flat tires and things blowing up and refrigerators and stoves and, and all this crazy stuff. But see, it's not about any of that. It's about what happened on the inside. Because if it was authentic, you won't care about all that. So some people say, man, I'm giving up. This is too hard, this Christian life. Everything was better before. I didn't have conviction then. I want to go back to the way I was without feeling bad about what I'm doing. It doesn't work like that. So when it's authentic, it's like, I don't care. Blow it all up. It's all going to burn in the end anyway. And then you start to go, this devil, you can bring it on because I trust in God no matter what, and I'm not turning back. I'm not turning back. And so the enemy will always be indignant and mock you and accuse you. And he spoke before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Well, they, this is what the enemy says. What are these feeble Jews doing? But he also says to you, you're feeble, you're weak, you can't do it. Will you fortify yourself? Will you offer sacrifices? Will you complete it in a day? Will, you, will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? But what if that was true? What if you did come from a heap of rubbish and you were burned? So yeah, the answer is yes, I'll offer sacrifices. Yes, we will rebuild the walls because every single one of us came from a heap of rubbish. Don't think that it's just my man, my story. My wife's story is totally different. She also came from a heap of rubbish. She's also been burned. God uses people that have been burned. And he picks you right out of the trash, right out of the dump. And the minute that you think, well, I wasn't in the dump and I wasn't in the trash and I, is the minute that you think that you were good enough to deserve and earn what God did. Next, we have to have some concept, and I don't have time to fully teach this, but I'm going to give you some concept of the refiner's fire. This is Malachi 3 and 2 Corinthians 3 talks about 2 Corinthians 3 talks about building on a foundation. If you build with anything with wood, hay, or stubble, it's going to be tested and tried and burned with fire. And the only thing that should last and that you should build with is, wood, is gold, silver, and precious stones, because that's the only thing that stands the test of fire. Everything in your life is going to be tested because God wants you to become a sweet-smelling fragrance. And anything in there that's mixture or strange fire, he's going to burn out. And anything in you that needs to be shaken out will be shaken out. You're, you should just say, shake me, God. Listen, there's a whole lot of shaking going on right now. There's a whole lot of shaking going on and a whole lot of crushing. But if you can see yourself as ingredients, God's mixed in the right ingredients and he's, he's crushing you to a fine powder so you can become a fragrant incense to God. If you can just see it that way, then you can say, God, crush me, whatever it takes. Shake me, make me, break me, refine me, whatever it looks like. If there's wood, hay, and stubble in my life, if I've been building with those things, if there's any chafe, God, cut it out because I don't want to stay the same. And if you pray that prayer, it, it's a dangerous prayer. This is a dangerous prayer. Think twice before you pray this prayer. Think twice before you pray this prayer, beloved. I'm not kidding you. I am not kidding you. Because if you mean it, guess what? Here, here come the crushing. But see, it's the crushing in love. It's the crushing for a purpose. It's the crushing for a fragrance. And the more crushed you become and the more God mixes in mercy and grace and love and kindness and compassion and the fruit of the spirit, he mixes himself in with you because he knows you're not sufficient of yourself. He literally gives you the gold to build what he told you to build. He's like, I'm gonna make it easy for you. All you need to do is surrender. 
Everything goes through the test of fire in order that our offerings are righteous. Who we are as builders and what we used to build with, all of it goes through the fire and all of it's tested by fire. Listen, God loves you enough. He won't leave you the same. Please hear the clarion call of my life. I don't care if you're running. I don't care if you're sold out. I don't, if you are showed up and you're hearing the sound of my voice and you've had all said yes, I promise you God loves you enough to not leave you the same. And he will shake out anything that needs to be shaken. And many times say, man, the devil, the devil's all around. Listen, the devil may work in the little details, but he's already defeated. God's way bigger. Don't fear him, fear him. It's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right, but it's gonna hurt and it's gonna burn. And you're going to cry. Everything goes through the fire. In Malachi 3, it says that the Lord is, the, you know, let me tell you something. How many like to do laundry? How many of you have piles of laundry everywhere around your house? How many of you like to do it, but just not put it away? Well, I have a good news for you. The Lord really loves to do laundry. And you're his dirty underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh gosh. I just had to say it. In Malachi 3 it says he has soap in his hand. He's the launderer soap. Except this bar of soap is red. And anything this red bar of soap washes, it turns white. He's a refiner. He's a launderer. He knows. You just have to surrender and reason with him. Though my sins be as scarlet, God, take your red bar of soap stained in your blood. Because you can get in the shower all day long, go through all the right rituals and motions and never clean yourself. You can't clean yourself. He burns out all the things in your life that don't need to say. Let me close with this. Hebrews 12, 25 through 29. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who, ref if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised saying yet once more, everybody say yet once more. I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. There's a whole lot of shaking going on for a purpose because anything that's of you needs to come out. Anything that's of the devil needs to come out. So God says, my voice is going to shake. And let me tell you many of the reasons why God's voice shakes, because when that bowl gets turned upside down from your mama's prayer, you think your mama's prayer is just being hopefully answered, hopefully heard. You think that the prayers of the saints are just, man, God, God, please, Lord, please. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if it will. What if we knew that they were being caught in golden bowls and turned, sent back to earth with his power and he shakes everything out of that person's life? What if that lost prodigal son or prodigal relative or friend that you used to party with and you genuinely, what if you actually prayed for your spouse more? What if you really prayed for one another more and you knew that they were being caught because you were a saint in a righteous position by God and you've had that bloodstained soap wash you over and I'm not refusing him who's, and now I'm broken and contrite. So God's not despising my prayers. So now when I step in the gap, 
gap and I pray for you. God answers it and hears it. The angel waves the scepter before the throne of God in heaven. And here comes your prayer. Put your name in it. In your prayers and in our prayers, he's shaking it before the golden altar of incense in heaven. He's shaking the censer. He's shaking the censer and he's putting some fire in it. And here comes God once more, yet once more, I'm shaking the earth of your family line. I'm shaking the earth of your children. I'm shaking the earth of your promise. I'm shaking the earth of America. I'm shaking the earth of Corpus Christi. I'm shaking anything out that's gotten in the way of my purposes and my plans because people prayed. Because you prayed. Because you confessed to one another. It's hand in hand. Because if I know I'm in right standing and I have a pure conscience, he'll still take you at the brazen altar. He'll still take you at the baptism. But if you want to go to the inner court, if you want to go further, you can't stop. You can't stop at your baptism. You can't stop at when stuff got burned out once. You must repeatedly, perpetually, continuously, atonement, atonement, atonement. Hebrews 5 talks about the high priest weep, how the high priest is subject. He, he brings sacrifices to God. You and I are sacrifices to God. This meeting is a sacrifice to God. Our worship is a sacrifice to God. My prayer is not a haphazard, sit back, laid back, click, click, click the TV, scroll, scroll, scroll. Why, oh God, oh God, oh God. It's like, Lord, I'm posturing myself in a position with fervency and diligently and being vigilant against the lies of the enemy that are trying to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. Lord, I'm being crushed and I'm being broken. I don't know how much lower that I can go. God, I feel like I'm at my end. All hell's breaking loose all around me. But God, I'm crying out to you. Have mercy, Lord. Lord, I'm in agreement. I'm in agreement for this person's life, God. You want to counsel but not pray. You want to meet but not pray. It can't just be coffee time. It's got to be prayer time. First, first, beloved. We, people come to me all the time with their complaints and their problems. I'm like, how much have you prayed? How much have you sought the faith? How broken are you? God doesn't despise brokenness. And I, you can't make yourself be broken. Only God can reveal to you your own depravity, but you can't turn away from it. Everything's being shaken. Verse 28, therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom which can't be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God. You can only serve God with grace. You're only saved by grace. It's divine empowerment. If you don't get divine empowerment, you'll give up. And we feel like giving up many times, many days. And you're going to feel like that. You're going to feel like you can't go any further. But he says, mount up. Get up. Get up on wings as eagles and fly above it. If you don't get a vision from a thousand feet, if you don't get double vision from on high to see two directions, you will faint. You will grow weary. You will stop walking. And it hurts me when I see people stop walking and walk out these doors and never come back. Pray, contend in the spirit, rise above it. For our God says, by which we serve God with reverence and godly fear. Where's the reverence and godly fear? I had a neighbor once that I knew didn't love God and didn't believe in God. And I kept encouraging him to come to church because I wanted him to get born again. So a long time, this guy living fully like the devil in wickedness. He shows up to church, so happens to be the night that we're receiving communion. And I watched him. I was so glad he came and he sat in the back and during worship, he was on his phone and he was, wasn't even paying attention. And as soon as we put out the elements for communion, he got up, he walked up, he grabbed onto that cup and he goes and chugs it down and walks back to a seat and sits down and gets back on his phone. In a short amount of time, that guy's life, he wound up in prison. He wound up being sick. He, and I'm not, I don't want to put this fear in you except to say, come authentically. 
God can take your messiness. God can take your failures from last night. This isn't about you, about perfection. Only the red bar of soap makes you perfect. But don't come haphazard. We don't come into the house of God with our nice little, here, God, here's our little offering. We come broken, we weep, we cry, we're desperate. We come reverent before the golden altar of incense and we burn up the flesh at the brazen altar. We wash ourselves at the bronze labor and we go, oh, there I am. I wondered where I was this whole time. I finally see my reflection. I get washed with the water of the word and now I can go past the curtain and I get all three. I get fresh bread. I get the fire of the Holy Spirit and I get some, I bring my incense and my offering before the Lord together with Christ who's interceding also together with us. Now I become a partner with God at the golden altar of incense. Because if you refuse God when he speaks, that's not the kind of shaking you want. So stop, stop refusing him who's speaking or you won't escape the fire. The, the Lord is a consuming fire. He's a good fire to some and a bad fire to others. Everything's about to be shaken and the prayer of the saints will play a critical part in the shaking. If we're to be and to offer pure incense to God, we must allow ourselves to be consumed by him. He's a consuming fire. Let him test out and burn out the stuff in your life. Come on, nothing's worth, nothing is more important. That he's forgot to be first. We pray with confidence and we know that now when I pray. So one of the things that happens to me with understanding this message is I'm, when I pray, I can cease my incense as smoke. Now I'm like, okay, God, I'm sending, catch it in your bowl. Lord, and send it back to that person that I'm praying for and onto the earth. So now when I start to pray for you, this isn't pride. This is if I put Luis in the target of my prayer and I send it like a sharpshooter to the throne and I'm intentional to pray what he says as with atonement and love and power and God sends that back, something shifts in him. And I don't get to take credit because God does it in his own unique way. But the point is, is I know my prayers are going there. But I also know in order for my prayers to go there, it's gonna take a whole lot of crushing. It's gonna take some frankincense. It's gonna take some myrrh. It's gonna take some, a little bit of death. It's gonna take a little bit of mercy and grace. All these things we so desperately need. Well, that's all I got to say. Thank you. Why don't we all stand? Now, I'm going to have you guys say, I, I love to say this. We've said this many times before. If you're into essential oils, you're really going to like this. Say this with me. Say, Lord, make me a diffuser. Make me an aroma. Make me incense. Cause me to burn a sweet smelling fragrance of Christ. I want to smell like you, Jesus. Now close your eyes. Now say it in your heart and mean it. Take us as we are, Lord, and make us to be what you've called us to be. We say yes to the refiner's fire. We say yes to the launderer's soap, Lord. You can make us your laundry. From the pile of rubbish, the burnt stones, 
you're building us into a house. You build what most men would never build with, God. You build what we would say is worthless so many times, but God, even when we've said it about ourselves, Lord, even when we feel inadequate, your grace is sufficient. Lord, I thank you that when the enemy comes to mock and vehemently fight against us, and when you bring the crushing and the testing and the fire in the midst of it, Lord, I thank you that there's smoke rising. The smoke is rising. The smoke is rising. Sweet smelling fragrance of the prayers of the saints and a life submitted to you. Burn us up, Lord, with your love, power, your spirit. Cause us to be gold, silver, and precious stones in the kingdom and to build with those materials, Lord. I thank you for the families and the marriages here, all of our children, God, all of those little eyes, Lord, all those little eyes. Make our homes a sanctuary, God. Make our marriages a picture of you. And in everybody here that's being crushed and struggling and feels like all hell's breaking loose all around him, Lord, I pray for grace and strength. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to stand. And having done all, you're still standing. You're still standing. Say it. I'm still standing. I love you, Jesus. I bless this church, God. I bless this church. Oh, man. I love you, Jesus. Amen. I love you guys. You all have an awesome day. Go and burn bright. Go and burn bright. Stay smelly, my friends. <laughs>